Once again, we hear the first reading from Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 31, the meaning of Emmanuel, who comes to us. What then shall we say to this? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Will he not also give us all things with him? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn us? It is Jesus Christ who died. Yes, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here ends the first reading. The second reading is from John's second epistle, verses 7 through 11. Many deceivers have gone out into the world men who will not acknowledge Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Look out for yourselves that you do not lose what you have worked for, but may win the full reward. Anyone who goes ahead and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into the house or give him any greeting. For he who greets him shares in his wicked work. Here ends the second reading. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Our text is from little Second John, a book that we don't read very often, and unfortunately, in many cases, a book that's been badly translated. Translated, oddly enough, by people who don't really have a good handle on what Christmas is and what it continues to be. The key verse is that many deceivers... The word really means wanderers. They wander off wherever they want to go. The newer, the better. Old things they never trust. Nothing sure about them. Many of these deceivers or wanderers have gone out into the world, men who will not acknowledge or confess Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. Some translations have said, not acknowledge the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. 
And that throws us into a completely wrong concept. When you hear about the coming, you're probably thinking about the original Christmas. But we talked about that last week. The concept this week is Christ, the Son of God, has his advent, remember, snuggle close to each other, a coming that's very close and loving. And he continues to be coming in the flesh. Last week, we learned that this baby, born in utter abject poverty and laid in a fatna, that, doesn't that sound bad? It's an old, dirty, stinky, probably mouse-infected thing that cattle would eat out of. Last week, we were told that the very Son of God actually came to us in the flesh and he's born this way. If you'd look at the event on Christmas morning, you would never surmise that that baby is more than just a person. Could this baby be the very Son of God? It certainly doesn't look like it. In fact, if you look at Jesus himself, up until the time he began his ministry, he didn't look like anything at all. Isaiah said he had no form or comeliness about him that we should desire him. In other words, his basic stature and his looks were not the least bit handsome. Some early church fathers surmised that he may have been just plain homely, maybe even ugly, certainly not looking like anything divine. Last week it took faith to see past what we see with our eyes. Scripture tells us exactly who this Jesus is, and that's what we end up celebrating in this season and especially at Christmas. Tonight it's the opposite problem. Jesus is seen to be too holy and too spiritual. To think that he still comes to us is seen in many quarters to mean nothing more that Jesus comes only in a spiritual manner, kind of like the ghost of Christmas past. It is purely spiritual and that there's no body involved at all. The only body that you can talk about among some quarters is he's probably still up in the air somewhere after his ascension. And his body, his physical nature, his human nature has no contact with us whatsoever. When John wrote his little letters toward the end of the first century, that was the problem. Did they believe Jesus was God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made? Yes. His divine nature was the primary thing. But to say that he's also a human being, flesh and blood, dying, buried, risen again, that that Jesus actually still comes to us. That's what John is saying here that we should acknowledge. Jesus Christ coming. The Greek word means continuously coming, ongoing coming. Notice, in the flesh. Now, that is a terrible thing in some quarters. It is embarrassing, 
No one can believe it. It makes no sense. And what happens is, of course, if you say that Jesus does not come now, not merely in spirit but in the flesh, you have torn the person of Jesus in two pieces. He is both God and man, and he has to be for our salvation. John is saying in this little text, someone like that is a deceiver, and in fact he is anti or against Christ. And so watch out, he says. If anyone goes ahead and does not abide in this doctrine of Christ, and does, he does not have God. And he who abides in this doctrine has both the Father and the Son. John's warning against getting ahead of God's own word. If you only think that Jesus came, past tense, and then he left at the ascension, you really lost Christmas. Because if that can be done so easily, some might even ask, did he really take on human flesh and blood at all? Remember we mentioned that last week? That there were some early heretics who thought it only appeared as though Jesus came in the flesh. What do you think John is talking about? If you were paying close attention to the last hymn, that really shouldn't be a hard question. What is this supper? If you say anything like, it's a symbol of Jesus' body and blood, but his body and blood is not there, you have an empty symbol. If you say he is spiritually present here, you would be correct. But if that's all you say, you haven't got the real Christ. Because the whole point of Christmas is the Son of God comes in the flesh, flesh and blood. If you say anything in terms of non-reality of Jesus' body and blood, can you even celebrate Christmas at all? The point John is making, and the point that's being made in all the texts regarding the Lord's Supper is, the full Christ is present. That's the way it was when he was born in Bethlehem, God and man. And so he continues to come that same way for the very same purpose. In that regard, you see that Christmas is not the past event. Every time you approach this altar, it is very much like approaching the manger. The sacrament itself doesn't look like much of anything. The bread doesn't even look like good bread. And the wine is just grape wine. Yet at the same time, Christ's declaration is, this is my body, this is my blood given and shed for what purpose? For the remission of sins. That's why he was first born. So every time you approach this supper, believe in God's own word, that he gives his body and blood for you for the remission of sins, you are truly having Christmas again. Again and again and again throughout your life as you approach the real Christ in the flesh and in the spirit the real Christ, true God and man, 
in this wondrous sacrament. If you trust, however, only your mind or what you see, you'll not only miss the blessings of the sacrament, but it will impinge in a bad way upon your understanding of Christmas. Now, lest some of you think that, well, pastor only picked out one little strange text that has anything to do with this coming business. Listen to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 50. Jesus is talking about himself when he says, this is the bread that, literally, continues to be coming down out of heaven, that a man may eat of it and not die. Again, I'm careful to translate that verb, who continues to be coming down out of heaven. Or in John 11, with the resurrection, the story of Lazarus, Jesus had asked what Martha believed. She said that the Christ is coming into the world. In fact, she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is continuing to be coming into the world. It's not just an odd statement from an odd little book of Second John. You can find similar statements in many places, especially in the writings of John. Why? Because when John wrote these books, there was a question among some heretics, some false teachers about who Jesus was, had he really come in the flesh, and especially was he actually present there in that supper. John wants us to understand that he is. And in that supper, it's the same blessing as Christmas Day. So believe what Christ is saying and his apostle John. God doesn't want us to look at Christmas as an event in the past and look at it through a rearview mirror when everything is backwards and cockamamie. Christmas isn't just the past. Christmas is in the now, continually, for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.